Welcome to a new episode of Lockdown Women's Basketball as we preview the WNBA season team by team. Next up, we've got this, the defending champion, Seattle Storm, and on the line, we've got Kevin Pelton of ESPN. Uh, KP, I think an interesting place to start is to look backward, not just because of the Brianna Stewart injury, but I guess if you could go back in time and talk to yourself at this point last year, how surprised would you have been to be to have been told that the Storm were going to win a title? Yeah, I mean, I guess we could listen to the uh, interview we did, but I think pretty surprised. You know, I think I my prediction was 20 wins maybe, and, and I thought that was even kind of optimistic at that point that they would get to that. And, you know, there were, there were moments early in the season where I was like, oh, I, uh, maybe, I was, maybe I was too optimistic. But lo and behold, once Natasha Howard moved into the starting lineup every, and you know, the team kind of figured out the chemistry with her as a new starter, figured out Dan Hughes' system, everything clicked really quickly. And they went from you know, barely making the playoffs the previous season to best record in the league and uh, got a test certainly from Phoenix in the conference finals, but you know, pretty comfortable path to the championship. Yeah, and I, it, in a sense, it, it this kind of was this thing that almost nobody saw coming, um, and I guess you know to start with Brianna Stewart before even getting into the injury, looking to last season, I mean it, 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 you know I think a lot of people saw this as not a jump that no one saw coming, but just you know the significance and kind of comparing it to you know, other star players, especially like, you know, still being on her rookie deal. What stood out to you as she really took her game to the next level? I I think another thing we might have talked about this time last year was the comparison to Lauren Jackson in her third season where, you know, she kind of had that breakthrough. One MVP was actually on a team that that didn't play play very well and and missed the playoffs that season uh, because of some other injuries. But, uh, you know, it seemed like she was in the right place for it. And, you know, kind of the funny thing is, is I look back on it from my perspective and why the Storm were a better team in 2019 than 2018. I feel like Stewie, even though she got the recognition for it, was actually kind of low as a factor in that list. Uh, Maybe not low because I don't know if there's that many, but certainly pales in comparison to what Natasha Howard provided. Yeah, and that I mean Natasha Howard is it was was so interesting as well. It I mean it's rare just at any level to see almost any restricted free agent change teams and for them to have worked out the sign and trade. I mean it it just it really seemed to be a perfect storm for them the way everything broke and I think I I think a good place to bring this to next is Dan Hughes who of course I feel comfortable speaking for both of us that you know he's very much on our thoughts right now, and we we hope first he gets he gets healthy. Um, but I mean, just the job he did this season, he I mean, he really seemed to just just nail every aspect of getting this team to to figure out what exactly what it was and to do those things really well. Yeah, and and do it in a quick period of time, taking over as a new coach. It, it was really impressive, and you know we knew offensively that this team had the talent to be. Uh, very effective and you know Natasha Howard only I think even added to that when you consider her ability to you know play inside or out give them a little more spacing from the five and you know everything she did there but uh, it really was at the defensive end of the court where this team you know went from being one of the weaker defenses in the league to you know second 
in the league in defensive rating last season. It was that jump that really transformed them. And you know, I think that it's Natasha Howard and Dan Hughes, the two newcomers who get the lion's share of the credit for that. He's always had a defensive reputation throughout his career, and uh, you know, really did a great job making the Storm you know, a much more fundamentally sound defensive team last year. And just just Howard herself, or maybe something at the team level, what you know, what do you really? really swung that for them to be able to, to take that step to become, you know, on top of the offense a really good defensive team? I mean, you know, Stewie, uh, her defensive potential and, and her ability was always obvious her first couple seasons, but she's also, you know, she's not a conventional rim protector. You don't want to use her as a center, even though they did that at times, uh, especially with the quality post-up options that there are in the WNBA right now. You know, that's that's not the best use of her skills. You'd rather have her have a little bit of ability to, to roam and uh, freelance defensively. And so having Howard, having someone who is capable of taking those tough assignments, and then also get the storm the versatility that you know if they needed to switch they could switch pretty comfortably anywhere two through five because Howard and Stewie are both comfortable defending perimeter players uh, you know I, I think all of that gave them a lot of defensive versatility and then they all were also much better on the defensive glass which again you know, I think the, you can trace a lot of it to Natasha Howard's uh, defensive rebounding and you know the the, the the benefits that brought yeah you know it was just, it was just that it seemed that they had, you know, on top of having Stewie, they had a second player who just covered all this space, who was gonna just be around, and you know, they they just they stayed disciplined enough to where, you know, when there were leaks, when there were problems, it, you know, they they just kind of played with a team that had the confidence that they had people behind them that that are gonna back that up, um, and now because of the injury, they're not gonna have that. Um, what you know, there's the Seattle Times had a piece, nice piece on Crystal Langhorn with her kind of being open about, you know, drawing a line back to the time when she, you know, drew a lot of, you know, was kind of looked at as this player was filling a void for Lauren Jackson. Um, you know, what's, what do you, what's, how have you kind of made sense so far of what they're going to have to do up front next to Howard in filling those minutes? Yeah, so I mean, the good news is that in Crystal Langhorn, you have someone who's got a ton of experience as a starter, uh, has been a very effective player in this league, you know, over the course of her career. So, you know, it's not like you have a zero there by any stretch of the imagination. Part of the challenge, I think, that, you know, the Stewie injury prevents is that not only, of course, do you have Langhorn replacing her in the starting lineup, well, now you lose Langhorn as a bench player who, you know, even though last year wasn't her best season after she dealt with the injuries, dealt with the role change, you know, she had some moments, I think, in that Phoenix series in particular where she was really important off the bench and, you know, having her experience and ability there, uh, that's another element of it that the Storm will miss. But, you know, she can't be Brianna Stewart. She's not going to try to be Brianna Stewart, but she's got to do what she does, high percentage finishing, um, you know, being a presence on the offensive glass, and uh, you know the storm will have to kind of build around from there. And one of the things with with Stewie that kind of crystallized as I watched the playoffs, and of course it's not the only thing that makes her great, but what you know, so much to me of what made their offense work was she she is just at such a high level as a pick and pop threat, and the way they space the floor that. You know, I mean, even somebody like Brittany Griner, you know, even if you're like, if you have like an okay closeout, like it just didn't matter. Like that shot was going to go up with the absolute confidence that it was going to go in. You know, where kind of where do they go from here? I mean, what do you think they can do to kind of 
try to compensate a little bit for the fact that they, that they won't have that dynamic threat from beyond the arc. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think that Natasha Howard probably becomes more of a pick-and-pop threat and plays more of that Stewie role this season. You know, she's not uh, an elite three-point shooter, but, uh, you know, I think one of the things they will miss and that made last year's team special offensively is that, that they, you know, did have five players who at least had to be guarded from the three-point line. She shot 30% there, 33% there, I should say, last year, made 17 threes. So, again, you know, not a huge threat, certainly not Stewie, but someone you had to respect for her ability to shoot, and that was a nice thing to have because, you know, Langhorn, uh, a comfortable mid-range shooter, you know, kind of tops out to 16 to 18 feet. Uh, we'll, we'll pick and pop to that, that long two, but not all the way to the three-point line. So, you know, I think that even though Howard is very effective inside, shot 55% from the field last year, 59% on twos, just if you look at kind of the relative balance of their skills between her and Crystal Langhorn in the front court, you'll probably want her uh, spacing more often, and Langhorn is kind of that dive player in the pick and roll, getting around the basket, where she's always been one of the WNBA's best finishers. Yeah, I, I hope I hope Howard kind of lets it fly a little bit. To just, to just get, you know, to just kind of own the fact that she's going to have to shoot more of them. And, you know, she can certainly be a threat to um, to beat people when they actually run to her and just to generally yep. put the ball on the floor. Um, one of the things I was kind of, I was kind of wondering, like, do you think that, do you think the Storm, or I, I guess, do you just, do you think it would work if they just said, like, you know what, in the right matchups, we're going to go really small. We're going to play, like, Alicia Clark at the four, and you know they have all these wings vying for roster spots. Maybe we can get into those names. But do you think they might, or I guess, do you think it'd be an interest, a good look to maybe try to to try to compensate for that and in the right matchups, maybe be a little bit more dynamic on offense? I do. Yeah. I mean, we saw that a little bit at times last season, and that's you know that's Alicia Clark's background. Even though she's undersized, obviously, for a post player in the WNBA at five foot eleven, which is the reason she's made this very successful transition out to playing on the wing. You know, that's also kind of her uh, her more natural spot. So, you know, I think that's and you hit the nail on the head. It's not just the fact that you do have a bit of a depth weakness at in the front court and at power forward, it's also the aspect that, you know, it, it allows you to get more of the wing players, which is the strength of the team, out on there, out on the court. Yeah, and and, and one combination that I, maybe one of the combinations I, I'm most excited to see, generally because we just haven't seen as much of it as some other three-player combinations, is is Jordan Canada with, with Drew Lloyd and Sue Bird. I I think that would be really interesting because they, they were already so good getting out in transition and just early simple actions to get offense and that I mean that's Jordan's game she's I mean she's so fast she can get by anybody she's an awesome finisher which is really it's amazing to say at her size that she's able to do that um you know what do you make of you know obviously the regular season the numbers weren't there but what do you make of you know Jordan's playoffs where she obviously had some big games and and what she can kind of do to kind of take on a bigger share of uh the creation load for them I mean you know, compared to what Storm fans were used to seeing at backup point guard, uh, Canada, a, a major upgrade there and, and very promising for the future. Yeah, I mean, you know, with her as well, the, the shooting question is going to be a big factor. That's, you know, it's going to open things up for her to get to the basket in the half court as much as she's able to do in transition. But, you know, I think was a, a better shot creator right away and maybe a little better distributor than I expected from her as a rookie. So, you know, I think a promising start. And, yeah, absolutely, she takes the step forward that we often see players take in year two. And, you know, uh, 
uh, seen a little bit of practice. Just you know, there's a different level of confidence and maturity for a player when they're coming back for their second season. They know what to expect than you know coming in as rookies. Uh, if she takes a step forward, then I think yeah, she'll kind of force her way into more of those three guard lineups. And I, I think a, a cool ripple effect for that of them for them would be to get Sue Bird off the ball because they've so they were so good with those quick you know quick flare screens and and stuff to get people threes and obviously if if she really ramped up her her three point attempts that'd be a way for them to kind of to kind of compensate a little bit. Um, Bird got that Bird got the question that you know kind of made the rounds on social media about you know kind of like how much longer she is considering going. I mean. I looked at her the whole season like this is their second best player like this is the reason that you know they're so good on offense and that her with Stewie they just she makes the right decision every time she knows how to use every angle of any possible screen I mean you you've seen this team for so long you've been around them so much up, up close I mean how you know what how have you kind of processed and just like kind of put into context how how good she is this late in her career I think the amazing thing to me is that you know she, she still looks like exactly the same player she was coming into the league. Like, nothing has changed from an ASX standpoint. You know that, you know, physically, she's not in the same place. She, she can't be at, at now age 38 as she was at, at age 21 as a rookie. And, you know, that has to, you have to manage her minutes a little bit. The Storm were, gave her some uh, some rest days during last season to, to manage her load in the NBA parlance. And, uh, you know, they were wise about that. But, you know, the, the upshot of that was when she was on the court, she was basically just as effective as she's ever been, you know, throughout her career. I mean, that would probably cape for, you know, the, the 2008 through 2010 Sue, who often took on the more of a scoring load when Lauren Jackson was dealing with injuries and, you know, remained a, a pretty efficient scorer and the, the, the elite distributor that she's always been. But, you know, the best assist rate of her career last season at age 37 and tied for the best true shooting percentage of her career last year at age 37. I mean, obviously, that's not supposed to happen. Uh, that's really incredible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's um, and it's a it's a treat to get to watch her this late in her career, and it's and even with stuff off court like with the CBA coming up, like I, you know, I, I just keep thinking like, it, like it's just cool like that her and Tarasi like are still like this good like it's not that they're even that they're just here like they're still so good of players and it, it it's just it's such a blessing to the league because of course they need every everything they can get in terms of star power and and bringing people in. Um, the I guess her co-star in the backcourt, Jewel Lloyd, um, getting the all-star nod, and she definitely had some moments in the playoffs, but she also, you know, faced, you know, a really tough task once the Mercury threw Brian January at her. Um, you know, what are you hoping to see her kind of take from that, you know, from them winning the title and and being kind of confronted with a really tough challenge in that Phoenix series? I thought it was a really interesting playoffs because, of course, Jewel Lloyd was on the bench in Game 5 of that semifinal series against Phoenix. And then, uh, you know, at some point, I can't can't remember now off the top of my head whether it was Game 3 or one of the first two games in Washington series, but same thing because, you know, the Storm were going so well with Sammy Whitcomb. And, you know, you worry about whether a player can kind of drop her head in that situation. And, you know, but she was all about the team and the success that they were having. And, you know, the, the, uh, the biggest supporter of Sammy Whitcomb and how successful she was during that playoff run that, you know, really transformed her career. 
so I think this is going to be an interesting and, and really important season for Jewel. I mean, obviously, with Stewie's uh, you know injury, there's a lot of possessions to go around that you know someone needs to create that offense that Stewie was creating, and Jewel's going to be first in line for that. We saw her her usage rate decline last year from 28 percent of the team's possessions in 2017 to you know between 24 and 25 percent last season, which reflected the fact that you know Stewie took a bit of a step forward, and then also just having another you know greater threat with Natasha Howard and you know more scoring off the bench uh, didn't necessarily need to play the same go-to role with the second unit that she had in years past but you know now uh, particularly late in games you know if you're not getting something out of the pick and roll uh, with Sue you know it's going to be Jewel Lloyd you know uh, down the late in the shot clock she's going to be the the person tasked with creating offense and you know her ability to do so and remain efficient is going to be really important for the storm. Yeah, and, and, you know, something with Jewel, and, and especially from that Phoenix series, you know, it as we record this, you know, we're a couple of days removed from, from the C.J. McCollum game winner when, for some reason, just mid-range romanticizers just made this made it this ridiculous moment of just, like, sight, you know, this thing where we excite cite people on the extremes and act like everyone is of that opinion. You, you, you know, can call LeBron James out by name. <laughs> it's, it's not that... And it it's just it drives me nuts because it's you know it's not the people that are good at those shots no one's telling them not to take them and you know with Jewel Lloyd it's it's not that you know it's not to take that out of your game but you know we saw it in that Phoenix series it's like you know the way Brion January is guarding you you know she's getting over a screen she's staying attached to your body you gotta you gotta be able to do something else to really like break their backs you know you gotta be able to get to the rim a couple more times you gotta take those threes when they're there. And, and she had some moments, like, there was a regular season game in Connecticut where she hit these pull-up threes when they are ducking under on it, and she just totally killed them at, for, to, to lead Seattle to pull away in that game. You know, I mean, how close, I mean, so I, th- I think it's like a relatively, you know, small leap for her to kind of, you know, kind of put a little bit more pressure on people. You know, where do you think she's at in terms of kind of really taking another step to, to really just, you know, put maximum pressure on, on defenses all the time? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing for her is combining the improvement she's made as a three-point shooter, you know, over 37% or 37% last season, almost 39 in 2017 with the ability to get to free throw line. Because if there was a, a disappointment in Jewel Lloyd's season, uh, probably in conjunction with the fact that she was sending a little more time spotting up, her three-point rate was way up. It's that her free throw weight rate went down last season, was the lowest of her career by a wide margin. So, you know, if you can combine that kind of relentless ability to get to the rack and draw free throws that we saw early in her career with, you know, the improved jump shooting that we've seen the last couple of seasons. I think that's what, you know, will enable her to uh, stay efficient even in this larger role. And and it's it's going to be tougher for her. So, you know, it's it's not really, you know, not trying to make this the thing of, you know, if the Storm missed the playoffs, it's all Jewel Lloyd's fault. But, you know, without without Stewie out there, it's, it's you know, one less person that's really, really stretching the defense to make those drives easier. But, you know, the good news for them, too, is, you know, some of their top players off the bench, um, I'm interested to, to get a little further down the depth chart, but, you know, those players off the bench, they do really help them with what they bring. They, they seem really comfortable as specialists. You know, Kalina Mosqueda-Lewis, it seemed like more than anything that she was just healthy, and that really seemed to help her last year. And then Sammy Whitcomb was good and has been good in the regular season with Seattle, and then obviously she had those big moments. Um you know, I guess how much how much weight are you putting on those two? I mean, in a sense, isn't it true? I mean, 
unless they go really small, do you see their matches kind of being the same because there's just only so many go around? It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, you know, the start of that series against Phoenix, Whitcomb was not in the rotation, and she earned her way back in with how she how well she played, particularly in Game Three down in Phoenix. Um, you know, and the consequence of that was that Mosqueda Lewis eventually fell out of the the rotation. So you know, Wickham took her minutes in addition to you know Jewel Lloyd's uh, at times to finish games. And you know, I think uh, it, it'll be interesting to see whether that carries over. I mean, Sammy, you sort of know what you're getting from her uh, in 110 percent effort at all times. Uh, you know, the quick trigger threes. Because she's so reliant on the threes to score in the half court, you know, even though that she can uh, create a lot of problems in transition with her uh, her quickness, you know, she's going to be somewhat inconsistent. You got to kind of stick with her even when those threes aren't dropping because of everything else you're getting. Um, so I, I I think she's got the inside track to to play the larger role between those two players, but you know we'll see how Kalina comes back from the offseason, uh, what kind of shape and, and what kind of health she's in, and whether she can get back into that competition. Because the challenge is we maybe can transition to now is that there is another player in the mix in Shavante Zealous. Yeah, I think I I think it's a really interesting um, not to discount the others vying for roster spots, but I think it's a really interesting group of three. With Zealous, Tiana Muldrow, who they had in camp last season and they liked a lot, and Andrea Howard out of Mississippi State. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you know how much you've you've heard kind of about that competition or just you know what what do you like um, about those players and do you see anyone maybe having a leg up over the other at this stage? I mean, to me, Zealous is a certain to be on, certainty to be on the roster. Uh, she's the the big. Uh, veteran addition to the team this offseason where they bring back almost entirely the same core from last year before the Stewie injury, uh, the only departure being Noel Quinn, who retired to become an assistant coach and on Hughes' staff. Um, you know, Zealous, I, I think when, you know, l- listening to what the uh, the organization has said about her, both Coach Hughes and uh, Alicia Volvanis, the GM, you know, it's uh, number one, her ability to, you know, her size defensively, giving them another kind of physical presence on the perimeter. Alicia Clark was really the only defender like that. Sammy Whitcomb can be very effective defensively, but she's much slighter. She's a very different type of player. And so, you know, having a second player capable of really dealing with physical wings, you know, I think is something they wanted and, and makes it maybe easier for them to play those small ball lineups we talked about with Clark sliding to the four. The other aspect of it is, with Quinn's uh, retirement, they didn't have a third point guard on the roster. It uh, seems unlikely that any of the uh, point guards who are in training camp are going to make the team. So Zealous is, I think, who they're kind of looking at is the third point guard to uh, run the offense if Sue, you know, is taking a rest day or, or uh, you know, if, the, if she's out of the lineup for a more extended period. You know, she plays that role and takes some of that pressure off Jewel Lloyd, who has never been really comfortable, you know, playing as a point guard, even though she'll handle the ball a lot either way. So... You know, I would say that Zealous really is just in that rotation mix with Sammy and, and Kalan and Mosqueda Lewis. And, you know, I think she's going to play minutes. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident in that. Uh, it is a regular part of the rotation. So I think it's really between Whitcomb and Mosqueda Lewis for that second spot. Uh, as for the other two, yeah, I think it, 
that's probably the battle for a roster spot. It probably comes down to Muldrow, who made the opening day roster last year before they let her go to get some more size with Mercedes Russell, and then Howard, who uh, you know maybe slipped a little bit, I, a little unexpected that she would be out there at the uh, very end of the second round. But you know, I think uh, watching a little bit of her in person, you know, what really stands out in a WNBA context is. You know, even though she's got that ability to that that track record of playing the four, she's not only got the athleticism to defend threes on the perimeter, she's also got the athleticism to really comfortably switch pick and rolls and you know keep guards in front of her. And I think that's going to be a bit a nice uh, attribute to have. You know, she can provide you any floor spacing. So that'll be an interesting choice that the uh, coaching staff will have to make. Yeah, I, Howard is. You know, I, I would have been really obviously in hindsight it would be really interesting to have seen her play or her seer deployed on offense the same way she was last season at mississippi state i think that would have really helped her from a pro context because i I think that's if anything i I would say that that was the one knock was just that you know the guard skills were still relatively new from her for her she just hadn't spent a lot of time standing let alone dribbling from the three-point line to kind of start her attacks um but you know, if she makes it, that'd be interesting to see. Um, I, I would, I wouldn't be upset if Presley Hudson makes it. I kind of hope she does. Um, you know, when you get into this range, talking about second, third, undrafted players, of course, it's a long shot for all of them. And you know, we've all heard it before. Yes, she's very small. It'd be awesome if she were five ten, but she's not. But she's really skilled. I mean, she, you know, for two straight years in like real games, real college games, like she's just pulling 28 footers off the dribble if you leave her open and you know like i think that's like an interesting flyer especially given how they play um but but we'll see how that works out um one one thing back to the just kind of like the league's perception of the storm in their season um it's you know one of the one of the kind of the um disappointments um because of stewie's injury is we don't kind of get to see how everybody else reacts to the season that they had, you know, especially playing a condensed season where it just, it comes fast and furious, you know, what would you expect, if anything, that, you know, if you're looking at it as an an opposing team, what are you really locking in on? Like, oh yeah, like, you know, they've, they really took off doing that. We got to really, really try to take that away this season. Yeah, I think it's probably the versatility and interchangeability they had in the front court is, you know, the main thing you'd want to try to replicate. It, it was interesting watching them early last season because, you know, simultaneously we're watching the NBA playoffs where at that point it was the Warriors and Rockets in the conference finals and both teams are switching virtually every pick and, you know, they're looking for, you know, who's a post player who has uh, both the ability to switch defensively then can stretch the floor a little bit and can also put the ball on the ground and make a play if you need be. And, you know, Natasha Howard... She would have fit right in that Houston Golden State series. She would have been a great addition to either of those teams, same those two teams. Obviously, Brianna Stewart, same thing. Like that, that goes without saying, kind of in terms of her versatility. So those players are not necessarily easy to find, and you don't want to, you know, diminish the the more traditional post games that we see from a lot of the WNBA's best post players. But uh, you know, I guess if I was looking for anything to replicate or take from it, it would probably be that, and you know, maybe I guess uh, LA with the Okunke sisters and. You know the their overlapping skills maybe maybe would come the closest to uh, you know challenging that in terms of what teams did over the off season. Yeah, and and you know and the storm did add 
another player cut from that same cloth with in Ezie McBigger, and she's not coming over this season. And you know, I, <laughs> given Stewie's injury, I think um, you know, I think just about anybody in Seattle would have said, okay, like it'd be fun to have her over. Um, but if she can get in a gym and really hone her jumper, I mean, she's going to be, I think, you know, she's going to have a very similar impact to what Natasha Howard can do. I mean, her, her length, her feet, you know, it's, it's very real with what she can be defensively to do some of that stuff for them as well. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, that, that pick made a lot of sense for the future, particularly before knowing about the Stewie injury, it was going to be tough for the 12th pick to even come in and make the roster. So, you know, uh, getting someone who can be a, a much bigger part of the puzzle in future years, uh, definitely, I, I think, a, a wise investment. So, looking at the outlook of, of their season, you know, not not trying, not really worrying about picking a number when it comes to wins, but, you know, where, where do you see this Seattle group in the hierarchy of the league? You know, do you kind of see them maybe even getting up to like a four or five? Do you think just kind of just trying to get in and, and compete? You know, where do you see them heading into the season? I think that's possible. I mean, it's always, you know, kind of difficult to know what the league is going to look like because there's so dramatic changes, you know, uh, around the league. And, you know, so it's not like Stewie's the only star who's going to be missing this season. There's going to be a lot of them, unfortunately. So, uh, you know, other teams dealing with something similar or, or getting players back in some cases. So, you know, it, it, but uh, I mean, I would say that kind of the pessimistic way I look at it is, well, you've got four of the same five starters that you had now in 2017 when the Storm was slightly below 500 in the eighth seed in the playoffs, uh, except that now you've taken out Brianna Stewart, who was on the verge of that w, uh, that MVP season, and replaced her with Natasha Howard, who as much as we've been talking about how great she is for the last uh, you know 20 minutes here, is still not as good as Brianna Stewart. So I guess that's the pessimistic way to view it to look at the outlook for the season. The more optimistic view is, you know, if you look at the weaknesses of that 2017 team, even without Stewie, I think defensively this should be a much better team with, with Coach Hughes' system um, and, and just kind of the commitment at that end of the court. Uh, I Then I think the, the depth is probably stronger than it was in 2017. Backup point guard play was a major issue. Jordan Canada, her second season, should give you stronger backup point guard play than you got back then. Uh, and you know, I think that with the, the wings that they have, whoever ends up emerging from that group will be a stronger, stronger group and you know, give them a lot of flexibility. Uh, you can match up different ways with Javante Zellis and Kalina Muscata Lewis and Sammy Whitcomb. So, you know, I think that they're, and, and the third thing, third point would be that, you know, that team was probably a little better than their record in 2017. Part of the reason maybe the, their jump shouldn't have been quite as surprising as it looked, even though they went 15 and 19. Uh, that season, they did have you know a positive net rating, uh, outscoring opponents over the course of the season. Were a little, or were even with opponents over the course of the season, and were unlucky to only be 15 and 19. So you know, I would say my my outlook, even if we're not going to put a specific number on it, probably somewhere in the high teens to you know maybe if everything goes right, low 20s. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. I think a team they may end up kind of really being neck and neck with is is minnesota who's you know in a pretty similar place that they're they're playing this season without maya moore um and we'll see how that all works out um you know kind of the first you know the first four or five four or five weeks of the season to end on this you know anything else we haven't hit on that you're really excited to watch you know kind of see unfold as they kind of figure themselves out I guess 
the other interesting thing maybe worth mentioning is that uh, you know the Storm is also going to have two home courts this season, which we've seen several teams in the past deal with renovations during the summer to their arenas. Uh, in the Storm's case, the, the arena is just you know not not there in its uh, full physical form anymore because uh, what was Kyrian is now being renovated into the new arena at Seattle Center, which will be opening in 2021, hopefully in, you know in time for the Storm to play the majority of the schedule there uh, at home in 2021. But they'll be splitting this season between playing at Heck Ed, uh, on the University of Washington campus, and then also playing way up north in Everett at the Angel of the Winds Arena. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Absolutely, and that's a, a good place to wrap it up. Uh, Kevin Pelton, you can read him at ESPN. We look forward to seeing your coverage of the league this summer and appreciate you taking the time to join us yeah, this busy time of year for you with the NBA playoffs and the draft coming up. Yeah, always fun to do. So thanks for having me.